Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning, I'm Denko with your Market View. And joining us as always to analyze the latest market actions is Ryan Huang. Good morning, Ryan. How's your long weekend? Pretty good. So we just marked Father's Day and yep. I couldn't finish up using all my dad jokes. So oh, I've got one for you, Dan. Okay, what's What that? do you call a factory that makes pretty okay products? Pretty okay products. I'd say... Uh, a satisfactory <laughs> and why did a man name his dogs Rolex and Casio? Rolex and Casio? Because they were watchdogs. <laughs> okay, Ryan. I mean, you want me Let's going? go with one more. Okay. Third, third time's a charm. <laughs> one more. One why more did a go. golfer bring two pairs of pants? Sorry, come again? Why did a golfer bring two pairs of pants? Because uh, something, to do, something to do with holes. Yeah. Um, in, co- in case he got a hole in one. <laughs> Okay, Ryan. Thank you for fucking up our Monday morning. That's good. And happy Father's Day to you oh, as well. Yes. I hope and it was a good celebration. Who marked it as well. Happy mm. Father's Day. Belated. Happy belated Father's Day. Well, anyways, let's now turn our attention over to the US and China, where we've got high-stakes diplomatic mission by US Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Chinese Foreign Minister Ching Kang, because they've met up yesterday in a mission to cool US-China tensions that have overshadowed geopolitics in recent months. Now, the, the meetup just happened just yesterday over in Beijing, and it actually makes the trip by Blinken the highest level American official to visit China since Joe Biden became U.S. president and the first U.S. Secretary of State to make the trip in nearly five years. So Ryan, did they manage to bring back some semblance of normalcy back to the strained relationship? Yeah, busy Father's Day for all of them. Mm. So short answer is it's a step closer and this is around a meeting. It lasted seven and a half hours. Imagine having a meeting for seven and a half hours. That's a bit long. I mean, <laughs> I, I even struggle to have a 30 minutes meet- meeting. <laughs> yeah, so I guess the bright side is they had the patience to sit through seven and a half hours, which means there was a lot to talk about, to yeah. iron out. And um, the way to look at this perhaps is that they are you know, finding some common ground to have discussions. Mm. And you might remember back in February, they actually scrapped the meeting they were scheduled to have because mm. of a whole spy balloon saga. Now they are meeting up and having a lot to catch up on. So in that sense, it does bring some semblance of normalcy back into their relationship, some towing of the icy um, uh, relationships recently with all the back and forth going on. So mm. this is um, being described by the US, the talks, as candid substantive and constructive. Very Mm. similar language which was being used by China Central Television to describe the talks as well. Uh, So what's to watch out for is whether he will continue to meet up with more Chinese officials. And the one to watch out for is if he will be meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping. Mm. So that is seen as the mark that it's a success and that he's made a lot of progress on that front. So right now, on his schedule, is not on it. So it could be added at the last minute. So if it does, it will perhaps be a really big sign that they are making a breakthrough. 
Yes, and you know, Chin even said that Taiwan remains the core of the core interests of China and the biggest problem and the most prominent risk in China-U.S. ties. So we will have to watch and see, we have to uh, watch and see how this would uh, develop over time as well. In fact, they've also mentioned that. In a further signal that the two saw during the meeting as a path to closer ties, Chin even accepted Blinken's invitation to visit Washington at a mutually suitable time. So, certainly some good news here. Now then, how have markets reacted to this news, Ryan? Yeah, so Ching Kang, uh, his counterpart, also talking about how they could restart more flights between both countries. Mm. So, it's a sign that trade relations could start to normalize if you can um, describe it as such because you know these things can go back and forth um, and of course what is normal these days yeah. so the markets did react quite positively to the whole uh, weekend um, there's also some talk about President Joe Biden planning to meet up with his counterpart Xi Jinping mm. in the next several months so there is some optimism building up that relationships are getting better and markets seem to like that certainty and how this could be beneficial for, for both companies and of course uh, for both countries and the companies that operate in both environments. Mm. And meanwhile though, investors will be keenly monitoring for signs of further official support for the Chinese economy after China last week cut a key lending rate and the country is set to cut one and five year loan prime rates in December decisions expected to be announced yesterday, uh, tomorrow I mean. Now, so we're going to watch this very closely, but meanwhile, all, this, all of this is still up in the air, so we'll have to see how this develops over time. Meanwhile, let's turn our attention over to the other side of the world, and that's Hong Kong, because it is betting that a new program allowing investors to trade equities in the yuan and on top of its local currency will help revive its flagging stock market, as well as boost turnover that's hovering at a four-year low. So Ryan, what, tell us more about what this HKD RMB dual counter model that will be rolled out today is all about. So basically, you can buy stocks um, with less foreign currency exposure risk. So you can buy the likes of Tencent Holdings, mm. Alibaba Group Holding, China Mobile, which are all some of the biggest listed stocks in Hong Kong using the Chinese yuan. So traders will get the option to buy and sell some of these stocks. So there are about 24 companies on that list. So all in is about $1.9 trillion of market value wow. or about more than a third of Hong Kong's um, market store market. So that is the plan on the table. So mm. if you want to trade it, you can use the Chinese currency. So that is hoping or at least with the hope that it will help boost liquidity, draw in more investors and bringing in more capital for Hong Kong markets and help extend the rally you've seen recently because of the expectations that we might see more stimulus measures from Chinese policymakers. So that is the whole idea. You know, boost liquidity, mm. give more people the option to trade using the Chinese currency. And of course, the wider picture is China wants to... Um, internationalize its currency mm. versus the US dollar. So that's the whole idea there. 
Interesting, yes. And then what I'm reading here is that the scheme will only be available to offshore funds during the initial phase. And authorities will plan to extend it to mainland investors through the southbound trading link at a later stage. Now, Ryan, there's a reason to be cautious though, given the city's experiment with a similar model back in 2012 that failed to take off. Back then, the dual tranche, dual counter system was introduced to give an issuer the option to offer and list shares in both the Hong Kong dollar and the yuan. Now, only one company though adopted the scheme and that's Shenzhen Investment Holdings Bay Area Development. So, how then do you do you think that the initiative will fare this time round? And do you see this reviving reviving the longer-term prospects of the benchmark Hang Seng Index? Yeah, so you pointed out that this had a very similar model uh, being executed back in 2012. Yeah. So the whole question here is, hey, you can have it on the table, but do people actually want it and take it up? No, you can offer it to investors, but will they actually trade? Is there the appetite for it? So I suppose it's a bit of a yes and no. So they have the option now, but it will then come down to risk appetite and the wider performance of fundamentals like the Chinese and Hong Kong e- economy, how well it's going. Do investors want to buy more now actually or are they in a risk-averse mode? So all these things will come to play. Then there's also the question of um, whether back then in 2012 it was premature and maybe now is a better time and investors are ready for more cross-border transactions and they have the appetite for it. So maybe there is the optimism that this is the right time. Mm. So fingers crossed. Yeah, we've got economist Sivan saying that back then it was not fully it was not a fully developed market mechanism at that time. And you know, they believe that now as Hong Kong becomes more convenient to invest and you know more cap- Chinese capitals are expected to join the market as well to improve both the turnover and volatility. And if successful, the dual counter will likely unleash a new wave of mainland cash into Hong Kong shares and you know onshore investors they've currently got a growing presence in the city's stock market with their turnover on trading links accounting for more than 26% so this is likely to boost a lot of liquidity in over in the Hong Kong stock market so we'll see how this performs and how this fares over the next few weeks and how investors are reacting to this Meanwhile, let's bring this conversation over to the semiconductor space where we've got Intel announcing that it has agreed in principle to build a new manufacturing plant in Israel. And that's part of a push by the US semiconductor giant and its chip peers to diversify their production sources. So, Ryan, tell us more about this Intel's expansion beyond East Asia. Yeah, Intel, Israel, and that kind of paints it. You no, know, It's trying to diversify itself to more countries where it has factories because it does not want to be held hostage to any particular geopolitical reason. And of course, the big picture here is China, uh, where there are US-China tensions playing out. It goes back and forth. And they just don't want to be seeing their operations disrupted. So that is a sign of the times and it could pave the way for more such moves by other chip makers for them to find new sites to mm. expand to, to just have a more resilient supply chain. So this expansion by Intel to locate more manufacturing outside of China, um, outside of Asia actually, is something that could be just, uh, I guess, tip of the iceberg. We could see more of this happening. 
a lot of expansion here. I'm reading, I'm reading this article and in fact, just uh, recently as well, it's uh, locating more manufacturing outside of Asia, which dominates, which currently dominates the chip, the chip production. Yeah, the other mm. part of this is you've got the countries trying to woo or attract these chip makers because they want to secure their own supply chains. So yeah. many of them offering discounts, tax breaks, incentives for the likes of Intel and so on to set up shop there so they can create jobs mm. and they have access to the chips and of course the ecosystem that will be created to help build the chips. So that is the, uh, in that sense, national security agenda there. Yeah, very interesting. Thanks for that, Ryan. And in fact, according to Israelite officials, the project in Israel will likely add thousands of jobs to thousands of jobs to almost twelve thousand workers now employed by Intel in the country. And this also follows news last Friday that you know they've um, they've also they will also be developing a four point six billion dollars facility in Poland. So very very busy industry we are seeing here. We've got Micron Technology as well, another U.S. chip maker that's closing to an agreement to commit at least one billion dollars towards setting up an, a semiconductor pack packaging factory over in India. So very busy industry we are seeing. Hopefully we've uh, got some more news to build on and we'll see how uh, other companies from the likes of NVIDIA as well as uh, perhaps even TSMC uh, will follow up on these news. Now we're going to play a game of up or down and if you're a regular on the show, you'll be familiar with this. I'll pick a stock or a topic and you'll guess whether it's going to be an up or a down. Ryan, are you ready? Let's go. First on the list, we've got Twitter. All right. So I am going with up. And this is with Twitter's plans to focus on video, creator, and commerce partnerships, all in the name of making money, trying to find more ways to make money. But it does sound like it is becoming yet another other app, right? Everyone's doing the same thing. Yeah. It does sound like it's a little bit like TikTok, don't you think? Almost like TikTok, but I guess it's an American TikTok, which US lawmakers would be happy with. A US uh, TikTok that's uh, head by um, Elon Musk. That's some good news here for them, I suppose. Yes, Twitter plans to focus on video creator and commerce partnerships to revitalize the social company's business beyond digital advertising. So got some good developments here. I'm going to go with an up for Twitter. Next on the list, we've got... Huawei. I am going with down for Huawei. So you've got a top EU, or top EU official urging more countries to ban the likes of Huawei and ZTE from 5G networks. So not great news if you are trying to get business from Europe. And it's the same reason you've been hearing every now and then national security mm. um, allegations of Huawei and other China companies spying on them. So that is the latest uh, headwind that Huawei has to navigate in the um, business world. Tough, uh, tough developments here for Huawei. Yes, it's all to do with national security risks and you know tensions building up across EU and in China as well. So I'm going to go with, down, with a down for Huawei. Next one, we're going over to China's consumer confidence. All right, not great. So I'm going down. It is showing some signs of softening. And this comes after the latest major shopping festival, 618, mm. which is the 18th of June. So over the weekend, that happened. 
but sales were weaker than expected. So that is seen as a barometer of consumption in China and spending sentiment um, in China, not as hot as what companies are hoping for. So a bit of a weakish outlook right now for the economy based on this latest uh, reading. Yeah, some people are saying that consumers were less likely to spend more during 618 as merchants had already been discounting heavily for years because of the pandemic. Ryan, are you immune to the discounts then? Yeah, that's a very good point, right? Typically, a big festival like 618 or Singles Day, you get discounts, but if you look at what's happening on your usual shopping places. These sales are happening every other day. Now. Yeah. It's either 6-6, no yeah. bit of a month sale, payday sale. There's a sale around the corner every other day. So yeah. in that sense, the impact is diluted. So you have to kind of read into these numbers with that, in, with that context. The sales are happening through various parts of the year, not just on the um, festival anymore. So the impact or the reading into these numbers is slightly different. It's starting to feel very normal to have discounts, isn't it? It's like a, rather than a privilege, it seems more like a right now. Like I don't mm. think I'm willing to spend that much considering how much I could actually save on during a discounted period. Anyways, let's move on over to Japan where we've got Toyota. Okay, I am going with up. So Toyota stock has its best week since 2009. Wow. So it's a long time. Uh, off the end of my head, it's about 14 years. Oh, man. So this comes off the back of a few things. It's EV or electric vehicle plan seems to be impressing stockholders. Mm. And the Japanese market also, as a whole has been on a bit of a rally. So mm. there seems to be um, you know, a lot of, it, a lot of um, tailwinds for Toyomo. Toyota Motors stock. So if you look at the past week, it's up 10.6%. So pretty good rally. Yeah, Toyota executives, you know, while increasing investments in EV, they've long argued that such cars and trucks are one solution, not the solution to meet tightening global emission standards and achieve carbon neutrality. So yes, certainly some good news for Toyota. Here I'm going to go with an up. Let's, move, let's take it closer to home. We are going to talk about S-REITs. All right, I'm going up for S-REITs because they had a good day after the FOMC last week. Hit the pause button and this seemed to encourage investors to buy more REITs. Perhaps mm. um, the idea here is that rates won't go up anymore. And bear in mind, the, the Fed or FOMC hiked 10 meetings in a row. Mm. So maybe they read into it as borrowing costs for these REITs are not going to, for now, go up as much as uh, they've been going up. Mm. Across 40 actively traded as REITs and property trusts on Sundays, on Thursday's session, there were 23 gainers and only 6 decliners while the remaining 11 REITs ended the day flat. Good news for S-REITs here. I'm going to go with an up. Now, finally, Ryan, I know you're a DC fan, so I'm gonna, I've decided to include this as part of the list. The Flash. All right, The Flash is going to be a down. Oh, man. So this is The Flash... Uh, the movie yeah. you know, hitting the box office recently of course a lot of um, uh, drama and controversy around Ezra Miller the actor in yeah. The Flash um, so a lot of question marks whether it would be a blockbuster hit to some extent it did okay but 
it did drop below expectations. I guess that's not good for the Flash. Mm. Doesn't stand well when we were comparing it to Spider-Man's Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah, so I'm looking at the numbers. It hit only number two over the U- over the US weekend. Uh-huh. Uh, behind Elemental, mm-hmm. which is an animated film from Pixar. So yeah. it could not beat a bunch of uh, cartoons. It's a bit hard, uh, cartoons. I mean, there's tons of kids out there who love their cartoons. And uh, yeah, in fact, uh, Sony's Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse has picked up $27.8 million, bringing its cumulative domestic total to more than $280 million so far, with an additional $209 million US dollars. Ryan, have you watched The Flash though? No, I'm going to wait for it to hit the streaming service. <laughs> so okay. not a must-watch for me, actually. Well, well, I guess if if it's Batman, then it's a it's a cinema worthy watch. Yeah, would you say? I'm a bigger Batman f- um, fan, so maybe well, we'll see if um, the next one. All right, as always, thank you so much, Ryan, for this comprehensive breakdown of market view. Continue to keep it right here with us on Money FM eighty nine point three. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm eight nine three dot sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.